411Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. The first Milwaukee paper targeting African Americans was published in 1892 and it was called Wisconsin Afro American. Now, the creators were two white men. Uh, their goal was to get black folks up north to work. Six years later came the Wisconsin Weekly Advocate, a truly black press. It was created by a former Mississippi slave, and the black media has evolved from there. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. I have several guests joining me to talk about this evolution. Let me introduce you to them. Michael Holt. Associate Publisher for the Community Journal, political analyst, and co-founder of the Wisconsin Black Media Association. We have Faith Colas, a radio host at WNOV. There's always something good to talk about. And President of Vaughn Communication, Liddy Collins, former TV producer for Milwaukee PBS, including uh, one of the producers for Black Nouveau. Everett Marshburn, and he is the executive producer of Black Nouveau at Milwaukee PBS. Now, these folks that I've mentioned have a multitude of awards and accolades for them, and too many to mention. I want to also introduce, last but certainly not least, Earl Arms. He joins us. He is the new host of Black Nouveau on PBS and Media Relations Manager at Milwaukee Public Schools, former Communications Director for Lieutenant Governor uh, Mandela Barnes, and former Sports Anchor at WDJT-TV Channel 58. Man, I told you it's going to take me a long time to introduce all of you guys, and I left a whole lot out. So thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. Good morning for having me. Now... At the beginning, I mentioned kind of the beginnings of black media in Milwaukee. And, of course, we're not going to go in detail about the history because there's really too much and we don't have a lot of time. So we'll start with the black-owned newspapers we have today, the Milwaukee Courier that started in 1964, the Community Journal in 1976, and the Milwaukee Times in 1985. Now, Michael. I know that you were there at the beginning of a community journal. These papers are still here. Um, they're still vital. I'm sure that it has not been easy for them to survive. How important were and are these papers to our community? Well, uh, we when we started, we did so continuing the model of the Black Press of America, and the Black Press was actually started by uh, Samuel Rushworn, I mean, Samuel Cornish and John Rushworn uh, 150, 175 years ago. And the model was we wish to feed our own cause. And we had been accentuating the positives, but also raising issues, leading campaigns. What is unique about the Black Press of America is that we're an arm of the civil rights movement. We advocate and fight for civil rights issues, human rights issues. And uh, as you mentioned, it, it has been trying times over the years because we've been more of an advocate than any other media 
in Milwaukee, for example, we, you know, we advocated, we were the only newspaper at the time to advocate for the uh, school choice program. So we uh, found ourselves being under attack by the teachers union and, and other members of the uh, government school system, as we call it. Uh, they threatened our advertisers. We took a drop then, but we built back up. Uh, in part because we have uh, continued support from the black community. And we are a vehicle in which they can express their truths and receive the truth from a black perspective. So we continue that mission. So with the the black press, you're able to do more editorializing, would you say, than the main oh, press? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I explained uh, to, to classes when I speak, there's no such thing as an unbiased media, unbiased newspapers. Uh, we all have an agenda. Ours is advocacy and empowerment of the black community. So since we're out twice a week, you know, uh, generally we are analyzing news events versus, you know, uh, revealing new news, although we do a lot of that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we'll take certain issues that may have occurred, you know, over the weekend or whatever, and we'll analyze and assess how that impacts our community. Or we'll fight for an issue um, head on. Um, and unfortunately, I think the only probably totally independent black newspaper in the country is the Nation of Islam's paper because they don't rely on any advertising. You know, so we're all subject to somewhat restrictions uh, by the advertisers that keep us going. Right, right. Now, uh, Faith, you started in newspaper, I think, Milwaukee Courier, right? I did, yes. That's and now you're on the radio. You have the radio show and on WNLV, which... The Courier purchased, I think, in 1973. And you know what? I just read last night that the call letters for WNLV, Wisconsin Negro's own voice. I thought that was interesting. Now, now we can find African Americans across all media. But Faith, as far as you can see, the, uh, the importance for radio, having that black voice on radio. And I know you can speak from several elements, your show, your late husband's show. You know, how has that uh, helped our community? It has been um, very valuable for our community, extremely valuable to have uh, black radio, to have uh, black newspapers without the voice of uh, these print publications and without the voice of black radio, I wonder if people would even know that we're here if you didn't see us, mm. you know, um, without images on television, uh, we would be lost in the wind somewhere, you know. Um, it's critical. Our, our roles are very critical. Who, who can tell our story better than us? Um, and it's it's valuable for us to have African-Americans um, in television, in radio, in print, even outside of black organizations, um, even outside of black media groups, because we need those folks at the table pleading our cause as well. You know, we talk about diversity and we talk about the value of diversity. It's so important. That's their role. 
uh, the role of the television stations that may not be owned by black folks, but you have black people there that are reporters and in um, newsrooms, um, part of producing that can say, mm, that's not the correct angle that we want uh, this story told or that we want uh, this uh, story reported on. Uh, so everyone that's African-American, um, in my opinion, that's part of media has a responsibility. It's an honor uh, to be in a space where you represent um, our people and our culture, because without us being in those spaces, we wouldn't have our story told from any angle. And without the Black press, Black radio, Black programming, we would never be able to um, communicate and exchange our story and, and, and communicate our story and our history and our culture uh, to the community uh, or to uh, mainstream with everyone talking about um, systemic racism now, like it's a fact. We all, all of us here know right. that it's been existence for our entire lives from the moment we were born to the moment we're now having this. But to have people finally say systemic racism is real, something we've all lived with, it adds another layer of value to me of what we all have been doing with our careers, that now we can really dive into that level uh, that we've kind of had to stay away from. We've kind of had to kind of look over your back and, you know, hold fast because you don't know where the next punch is coming from. Well, now you know everybody knows. Right, right. You know, a lot better. Okay, yeah. And, you know, I, looking at the evolution from NOV, um, I think Bill Taylor went from NOV to uh, WTMJ4. And that's another value of the Black Press, Black Radio uh, training ground right. for talent for raw talent, for um, academic talent, um, whether you've been trained or not, you know, you're looking for a place where you can hone your craft. No better place than the Black press, than Black radio. Um, that's what, that's where we've all really have come from. Right. Well, we jump from there to TV and Bill Taylor, and I think uh, he was like the second African-American on air in this market. Uh, but just for black people to see another black person on television, I'm sure that that meant a lot to the community. And I've been here 20 years. Um, and I know Michael, Faith, you know, some of you guys have been here much longer. I'm sure that had a big, big impact to actually see somebody who looks like you. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, when uh, Larry Bandy and I formed the Wisconsin Black Media Association, you know, uh, we came together, we brought together black journalists and, and news people and cameramen, et cetera, so we could advocate for diversity in the local workplace. Matter of fact, one of the early issues we, we had to deal with was uh, the management of WTMJ wanted Bill Taylor to cut off his gold tee because it, they said it made him look too militant uh. for the white audience. And so we went in and fought that battle. Talk uh, about systemic racism. We've done similar things over the years. We've gone to the journal and demanded, you know, greater representation. Uh, we're, as an organization and as the black media, we can say things. 
that benefit the entire industry and all of those who represent us. We make sure that there are those black images on TV and those black voices on radio. Uh, and of course, that on the other side of the coin for the white mainstream media, that our voices are at least heard there, even though they may be censored somewhat. You know, that is huge to have the Black Media Association coming as a group to address these, whereas at the beginning when there was like one or two uh, African-Americans in a newsroom, in a TV newsroom, their voice wasn't heard as much or they might be hesitant to voice, you know, some of the concerns they might have. But having that group behind you, that's 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 huge. So what year did uh, the Wisconsin Black Media Association form? Ooh, it was so long ago. <laughs> I actually can't remember. Our president probably probably knows, having read the, the history. Uh, you know, we pass on this baton from generation to generation. But, you know, I put it this way. One of the first issues we dealt with was uh, the local station dropping the Richard Pryor show. <laughs> so, so Really? I, some of you are not even old enough to remember the Richard Pryor show. Oprah Winfrey, it was um, two years before The Color Purple came out because Oprah Winfrey was our uh, keynote speaker for our uh, right. third anniversary. Oh, wow. 1983. 1983. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Color Purple came out in 85. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the evolution, the diversity that Faith was talking about, the black voices, why it's so important. We'll be right, right back. Stay with us. Every day, every day, millions of people are connecting. And even though we're overcoming obstacles, watching each other's backs, and banding together, we should still make an effort. We should still make an effort to get to know each other on a deeper level. Father, cosplayer, mentor, actor. It's time we take a step forward. It's time we take a step forward. Come together and discover how accepting our differences can, can make, make us stronger. stronger. If I could be you. You could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Well, before you abuse, criticize, and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Welcome back to the 411 Live. We are talking about black media and black journalists in Milwaukee, and I have five guests joining me. And let's pick up where we left off because we were talking about the Wisconsin Black Media Association. We looked it up, um, established in 1979, so been around doing great things for a long time. Um, and now it is because... You know, several of us have been in this communications field a long time, and we're in retirement or close to it. But uh, the relevance of the association is very strong, and the baton is being passed along. And that brings me to Earl Arms, who is the new president of the Wisconsin Black Media Association. What are you hoping to see come about within the, so the association now? Honestly, I'm really hoping to see about the different disciplines being a part of the organization and getting that support. 
Um, one of the things that I wanted to do with the org is to bring folks that are in public relations, uh, people in the academic setting, folks that you may not typically see. Uh, when I would come to meetings and I would be around and kind of in the fold, you had uh, you know reporters that either write for the paper or you know they're on television, but or even radio. But for uh, a lot of the public relations folks or you know the people that are working for either the schools or uh, these companies, in my case, uh, the governor's office or, uh, you know, the, the, the school district, um, that representation wasn't necessarily there. And coming from television, I know how important it is for to have that representation both on the, uh, on the television screen, the representation as a reporter writing in the paper, but also uh, within these other organizations to where uh, the stories of Black people can be told and can be told well. So I want to have that advocacy all around. So that's what I'm hoping to bring forward. And it's nice to have people from different stations, you know, you think of them as competitors, but within that association, they can come together, talk, and bounce things off of each other, talk about concerns, problems that they may have. It's It really is a safe place for um, people in the communications field, and that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate it. Now, I want to make sure I get Everett and um, um, Liddy in this conversation because one of the things dealing with the TV medium um, is getting those stories. And again, we've talked about it a little bit, the diversity. I was in the TV news business for about 30 years, and it's trying to, as, as time got, you know, as time went on, it was easier to pitch these stories. But I, at the beginning, sometimes it was hard to pitch those stories that really penetrated or focused on African-American issues. So I was wondering, what do you guys think about that? I know Black Nouveau focuses on these kind of issues, but getting those stories told, is it becoming easier? If you have people there to tell the stories, it will be easier. You need uh, those black folks, reporters, producers at the desk to tell those stories because I made a list of the importance of the black media and people in the black media mm -hmm. is to keep the black community informed, to give another side to a story, to give the black community a voice to make our people think and to give useful information so the black community community can better itself. And that's, that's good. what I think my role has been over the years that's, as a producer. That's good. Everett, I know you've told a lot of these stories. Was had over the years, was it hard to get these stories out there? Well, actually for me it wasn't, but you know, yeah. Michael talked about the fact that the black press was sort of an arm of the civil rights movement. My career has been because of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. I'm a current commission journalist. Um, a lot of people don't realize or understand that in 1968, Kerner Commission reported that America was growing into two communities, one black, one white. And one of the things that they suggested to ameliorate the problem was to get more black people in, in, in media, especially television, because as people were beginning to really come into embracing the, this medium, they weren't seeing black people. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I got called by the public television station in Maryland that was forming 
in April of 1968. Well, this was right after King got killed. Yeah. I was in college. I was a junior looking for a summer job to uh, make enough money to go back to school and graduate. They called me in. They didn't have a summer job. They had a job that started in September, and it was a full-time beginning position. So I took the job. Uh, finished school, took a little longer, finished it at night. But I took the job as an entry level into a TV station that wasn't going on the air until 1969. I moved up the ladder there. Uh, one of the things that happened is I got really involved in the public television system. A uh, Maryland public television, like many of the other public TV stations, were interested in doing community work. And for a city like Baltimore that had a large black population, that meant serving that community. Uh, it developed a number of programs by, for, and about that community. It even had an advisory committee in the first couple of years, like many of the stations did, because there really was an effort by some people to get black folks into the business. And as, as Michael and Faith talked about, a lot of the people who came in those early days came from black media. They came from the radio stations and they came from the local newspapers. Uh, we've since seen a number of folks who don't have that background because they go, they're able to go to college and study journalism. But that's how a lot of this began. Um, I knew about Black Nouveau. I met uh, Joe Savage, who's one of the producers mm -hmm. in 1990 at a public television conference. And we became friends. So I knew that Black Nouveau was doing what a number of other TV shows were doing around the country. It was a show in Boston, it was a show in Detroit. We still were doing things in Baltimore, although we weren't doing a weekly show there. Um, so that's how I got in. Uh, it's important that we're across the spectrum and we're telling our stories because, one, we're not monolithic, but still, we don't get nearly the kind of stories about what's really going on in our community and what we think. So as, as a person in the public eye, you know, not in TV, they watch it, um, you know, they read the paper, they listen to the radio. What can the community do to make sure that there continues to be diversity or more diversity within the mainstream media? Well, I think the community can do a number of things. First of all, they have to pay attention. If they see something they like, they need to let people know. If they see something they don't like, they need to let people know, too. And that, I think, is one of the biggest problems. If people see something they don't like, they just turn the channel. Right. No, watch and tell people at the station where you see or hear what's going on that you don't like what they're doing. And you can make a difference. I, uh, I know in Baltimore, that was probably one of the more famous incidents that happened was during the 90s when the drugs were prevalent. Mm -hmm. One of the reporters at one of the station did a report on, on Jamaican posses. It was supposed to be drug, drug groups. Uh, they weren't. The Jamaican community got up in arms about it. They wrote the station. They got a full hour on a Sunday, a whole hour retraction of the story, as well as an exploration of what's going on in that Jamaican community. But that only happened because the community responded. You know, but I don't, re I don't think people realize the power that they have. I agree. They don't. They don't. But social media, um, and we haven't talked about that yet, but that's a space where African-Americans can really leverage our voices, um, the things that we like, as well as the things that we don't like. You know, picking up the phone might seem a little old-fashioned now, although everyone carries them around. Folks want to text everyone. Right. But um, as Everett says... 
it's, it's, it's very important to say what you like, but I think even more so important to say what it is you don't like. I mean, how would people that don't look like us know that what they just reported on was inaccurate, it wasn't culturally sensitive, it didn't sound balanced, you know? And I think one of the things that the Black press had at its beginnings was the Black church. Both of those um, entities worked together, hand in hand, in communicating our history and 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 our justices and our movements. So, and I don't know what that looks like now. We do have um, social justice happening now, but how are we working together as the Black Church and the Black Press? I know there are Black Church voices in the movement. I know that there are medias of black um, organizations in the social justice movement, but how are we working together? You know, it's, it's a powerful pair. Absolutely, absolutely. And in this time we're almost done, but I'm thinking about the climate that we're in right now, um, you know, with the effort to disqualify votes, the basically the black vote in these urban cities and all the different things that are going on it seems to me that the black vote, the black voice, I should say, is even more important. The diversities in these newsrooms, how things are covered, that is just pivotal. I mean, it's very important now. Your statement right there says how important it is that when somebody's trying to take something from you, that's because it's important and it's valuable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an asset. And so we, you know, coming together again, to say what is it the what what one thing are we going to focus on? We're going to make sure that our votes are counted. Now we're getting people to get us out to vote. And now somebody wants to take it away from you after you've done it. Yeah. It, you know another aspect that it is, you know, um, unfortunately, I'm the only black columnist in the entire state of Wisconsin, and we did a research project last year where we discovered I have almost more white readers of my column than I do black. It's because the white community, people don't understand this, but the white community really tunes in to the black media to find out how we feel yeah. and they actually adjust based upon what they see. It's, you know, when you, when you see them picking up all our fans, that's just part of the picture. You know, in my column this week, I talk about uh, the, the NMPA, which is the national organization of all of the black papers, did an election night podcast. I participated as being a Milwaukee representative. I said then, November the 4th, that there's going to be a violent explosion. It's probably going to happen in Washington, D.C. once Trump loses. And now everybody's picking up on this. Wow. We, we're at the vanguard of information as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the local media has been focusing all week on some national study on dogs. When you read the community journal in next Wednesday's edition, I'm going to address a new study that showed Wisconsin is the most segregated city, I mean, cut, uh, state in the nation. Milwaukee's the most segregated city. We need lead the nation in seven negative social indicators about black people, including the highest black male unemployment rate, highest black poverty rate, highest black infant mortality rate, widest gap in, in uh, academic achievement among black and whites. Nobody's pushing that out there. So the black press has to be at the vanguard. And we'll keep shaking this tree. 
And if that means that we have to criticize black politicians, we do that as well. There's an old African adage that goes, the truth has no friends, but we do have family. So we respond to our family, our tribe, and, and we just throw rocks at the castle wall. There's a, there's a black politician who's not addressing the issues we need to address. We're going to knock them out the path. All right. That's what the black press can do. All right. So we have to pick up the community journal and read that article. We have to deal with signifier. You can go online if you don't pick it up. Signify. signify. Got it. And turn tune into Black Nouveau. We'll see the host, Earl Arms, there. And we know who the executive producer is behind the scenes. Listen, we've run out of time. We could talk like two hours, but I thank you guys for sharing this time with me today. Thank you so much for joining the 411 Live. Thank you, Fab. All right. Now, you have been listening to uh, just a stellar uh, guest list. Michael Holt, Liddy Collins, Faith Colas, Everett Marshburn, and Earl Arms wonderful people and i am so glad you are here and thank you for joining us for another 411 live we're a nonprofit organization if you'd like to help contribute go to our website the 411live.org but until next time i'm beverly taylor and this is the 411 live real people real talk if you would like to check out past episodes there are many ways go to your favorite podcast platform follow us on twitter and instagram like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.